Well, good morning. How we doing? Missed y'all last Sunday. I was here. I'm just kidding. Really did miss y'all last Sunday, though. And I do apologize for those that were waiting for my Facebook Live video last Sunday. Uh, at 10, 15 in the morning, we ran out of power, and uh, we didn't have power for 30 hours. Um, I believe it was Pat Drake who called and was wondering where my Facebook Live video was because she had a group at her house who was looking to watch it. And she made a comment at the end of our phone call. She said, well, I guess the enemy is just working his best. That must be a really good message. I hung up the phone, and I looked over at my wife, and I told her what she said. I said, either that or God doesn't want me to share it. Maybe it's just that bad. But um, i thankful for power, <laughs> thankful for heat. It got really cold. <laughs> Thankful for brothers-in-law who were willing to allow me and my wife and my two loud children to come over and get warm. But uh, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. While you're turning there, just want to re uh, remind you, don't forget tonight, our uh, Christmas program. Uh, the youth and a, a few adults, uh, y'all are adults too, don't get mad at me. Uh, but uh, the youth and a few older people are going to be in the presentation, in this play. It's going to be a great time. Uh, it's, it's actually kind of funny, uh, the, the presentation, so please come and be a part of that. That's tonight at 6. We will have refreshments afterwards. If you can, please provide a, a refreshment, um, something good, if you don't mind. Um, and so uh, that'll be tonight at 6, and that'll take place after uh, the presentation. That'll be in the fellowship hall. All right, Ruth chapter 2. <clears throat> if you're there, say word. Let's stand and read Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. 
The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, This man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray. Father God, We thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity that we get to come together to worship you and to just to hear your truth. And so, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our ears to what your truth has to say this morning. We thank you, God, for being a God of peace. We thank you, God, for sending your son to be our prince of peace. So, God, I pray that we see that here. In your son's precious holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We are a people who know what it's like to seek for peace in the midst of trouble. If you were to look across our country today, you would see division like none other. And it just seems like it's getting worse sometimes. I want to take you back to a day where America experienced a day that, according to Roosevelt, will live in infamy. December 7th, 1941, 77 years ago, just a couple weeks back, America experienced a surprise attack from Japanese forces. They launched just two over they, they had launched just 200 miles north of Pearl Harbor from the decks of six Japanese Imperial Navy ships and they attacked Pearl Harbor. Only six US planes managed to get into the air to defend against these attackers. 2,330 Americans lost their lives while 1,145 were badly wounded, a day in which there was no peace, only trouble. It seems Naomi is experiencing a day with no peace, only trouble. Just a couple weeks ago, we visited her and Ruth as they were coming back from Moab into Bethlehem. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, has died. Her two sons have died. It's just her and her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. And on the way back, Naomi, she's just being bitter. She she feels God has, has dealt bitterly with her. 
And so she has encouraged Orpah and Ruth to go back home to Moab to get a husband. Orpah goes back home. Ruth clings to Naomi. She stays. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you go, I will go. And Ruth showed kindness to Naomi. Ruth showed faithfulness to Naomi like a friend that we need in Jesus. And so we see Naomi coming back to Bethlehem. There is now no more famine. God has now answered the prayers. There's now bread back in the house of bread. And so now Naomi is there and she is still a little bitter. We see that now. She's feeling alone and hopeless. Today, as we look at chapter 2, we're going to see God's providence at work to show Ruth and Naomi the peace that can be found through the kindness of a Redeemer. Even though this book, this is a fantastic story. A fantastic story. And you're going to see some ways in chapter 2 how this is just a beautiful story. But it's more than just a story of of a relationship between two people. It's more of a story about the relationship between a faithful God and His people and how He brings us to saving faith. It's a beautiful story. And Jesus, born in Bethlehem, has come to bring peace. Not peace to the world, as we can see. We don't have peace. But peace between God and man. And that's what Advent shows us. It shows us that this peace that Christ brings us is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And no no matter what trouble we may have, no matter what our job situation is, no matter what our relationship situation is, no matter even our spiritual situation, the peace that Christ brings is available to all who will receive it. We live in a world where we may not have peace across politics, across nations, across religions, or even across families. How many people in here are not that excited about spending time with family over the holidays? Because there's just not that much peace in the family. Am I right? We can experience peace on a personal level. We can experience peace between us and God. And we can only do that through Jesus Christ. Now in chapter 2 we see Ruth. Now Ruth is a foreigner, a widow, who has no way to feed her and Naomi. And we see Naomi who is still bitter and unresponsive and not really up to do anything. They are both in need of peace in their life. So Ruth, in the first couple of verses, tells Naomi that she's going to go and glean in the fields. Now what that means is simply uh, she's going to go and gather Food from the fields. Now, in, in the law, in Deuteronomy 24, 19, it, it says, When you reap your harvest in your field, and you forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. This is actually, by God's grace, that they're able to receive provision. So she's able to go into the fields... And pick up the scraps that they have missed harvesting. Because she is one, she's a widow, and she's a foreigner. But here's the thing. People in the fields are not always that nice. Sometimes there's verbal assault. Sometimes there's physical assault. Because she's an outsider. She's an outcast. 
People don't take too kindly to people like that. In Haiti, when we were driving through the city, there were, there were some parts of, 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 of Haiti where we could have our windows down. But then there were other parts where our missionary on the ground would tell us to roll our windows up that people don't really need to see that there are blocks in the car. There's just some places that people don't take too kindly to outsiders. And we see that here. And so she's looking for a field where she can find somebody who will show favor, who will show kindness to him, to her. And so she goes out. And let's see what happens. The big idea I want you to walk away with today is this. Advent reminds us of the peace that can be found through the kindness of our Redeemer in the midst of our troubles. Advent reminds us of the peace that can be found through the kindness of our Redeemer in the midst of our troubles. We see first that the author is giving us a hint in verse 1 of hope that is coming. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. Just out of nowhere, this is what the author says. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. That's all the author says right there about Boaz. And what the author is doing here in verse 1 is saying, Hey, look, I'm giving you a little nugget here. Hold on to it. You're going to come back to see who Boaz is later. The author is already showing us who Boaz is because Ruth is about to come across him. Now, Boaz, ladies, is the type of man that you want to bring home to your parents. He's a man of noble respect and character, one who has a great reputation with people, one who submits to authority, one who is committed to God, basically the man that any godly woman should seek to marry. But if you look at the context of Ruth, this man's probably in his 60s, and Ruth is probably in her 20s. Big age gap. God is going to use both Ruth and Boaz in chapter 2 to show his kindness towards Naomi and Ruth. So this morning, I just want to show you four ways in which we can find peace through the kindness of our Redeemer in the midst of our trouble. So, number one, God expresses kindness in his providence. God expresses kindness in his providence. Ruth tells Naomi, let me go to the field and gling among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor, in whose sight will show me kindness. She's hoping to find someone like that, that she may be able to gather some food without any problems or worries. And with her being from Moab and being a widow, she's qualified. So we know that there's danger with her going out there. So she has to show up in the right field. Look at what happens as Ruth goes out to glean. Verse 3. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. She happened to come on December 4th, 2006. As I was in my dorm room of Marshall College, I was you know, doing what every productive student was doing, spending time wisely on MySpace and Facebook. And I just happened to come across Tara, my wife's MySpace page. At that time, I had known of her. I had a crush on her back in high school. She didn't like me. I was too tall for her. I left Stanley County, went to Mars Hill College, hoping to find my wife. I mean, the first day on campus, I'm already looking for my wife. Never found her. And then one day, I just happened 
to come across Tara's MySpace page. And we struck, a, struck, struck up a conversation that evening that lasted eight hours. I think I flunked one of my exams the next day because I was up the whole night talking to her. And in nine months, we'll be married 10 years and together for almost 13. As followers of Christ, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe God places us in situations because of His providence. He knows what He's doing. And isn't it great that we can trust a God who is kind enough to lead us where we need to be? He is actually leading Ruth into the field of Boaz. Out of all the fields that she could have ended up in, she lands in the field of a redeemer in her family. She ends up in the field of Boaz. Some of you here this morning, if not all of you, God has you here for a reason, a purpose. It could be that you need peace in your life and that you need to hear this message. It could be that someone else just needed to see your smiling face this morning. I know what I needed this morning. I needed to see Phil in that snazzy purple sports jacket. I like that. But God has you here for a reason. Much like how God guided the wise men and the shepherds to Jesus, God guides us to the Savior. I just happened to be at Awana the night uh, that our teachers taught specifically on the gospel, and I was able to hear it. I just happened to be there. No, God brought me there. Maybe you just happened to be wherever you were to hear the truth of, of the gospel. Again, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in happenstance. I believe that God brings us where we need to be, puts us in people's paths who either need to hear from us or we need to hear from them. It's amazing the kindness that God shows us in His providence. And it's His providence, His sovereignty, that brought Naomi and Ruth to Bethlehem. And it's His providence and His sovereignty that brings Ruth to the one field that she needs to end up in, the field of Boaz. God is at work in the lives of Ruth and Naomi, even though Naomi right now doesn't see it, but she's about to. In verse 4, after the author shows us that Ruth is in the field, the author says, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. In other words, when the author says, and behold, the author is saying, look, Boaz is coming from Bethlehem. I just mentioned him in verse 1. He's coming. Check this out. This is it's a great story. I love this story. Look, see what's happening here. Boaz is stepping in at just the right time. What if he got caught up in Bethlehem? What if he got caught up in a meeting and wasn't able to be in the, in the field the same time Ruth was there? What if he was sick and had to stay home that day and was not able to be in the field the same day that Ruth showed up? This is not a happenstance. God is bringing Ruth and Boaz together for a reason because Boaz is going to be her redeemer. Isn't that amazing how this works? Boaz is a kind and godly man. Look at, look at how he greets his workers in verse 4. He says to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. In other words, he's expressing his commitment to God within the workplace. Now let me ask you a question, church. How many people, because I've experienced this, claim to be godly but don't act godly in the workplace? Do we as men and women who are claiming ourselves to be Christians, shouldn't we act godly in the workplace? 
Just a little side note. All right, let's move back into where we need to be. Now, in verse 5, we notice that he sees Ruth. And he asked one of his men, whose young woman is this? And Boaz, being a, a, a respectful man, just noticed a woman who was in need. We need to understand that, that, that he's, not, he's not looking for somebody to fall in love with. He's, he sees a woman in need and he has compassion for her. She's a stranger. She's out of place. She's an outcast. And after the young man filled Boaz in of who she was, Boaz approaches her. This is the first conversation we see. Verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. Man, look at that. He has already broken down the barrier. He did not say, now listen, Moabite. Now listen, outcast. No, 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 no. He's already calling her daughter. He's already bringing her into his family. He's already showing compassion and love to her. He does not even explain how she's an outcast. He doesn't see that with her. Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Boaz is expressing kindness to Ruth. We see this word as has said in Hebrew, which means kindness, faithfulness, love, grace. It's this amazing characteristic that we find in Jesus. And he's expressing it to Ruth. He's giving her protection to glean. He's giving her, number two, assurance. God expresses his kindness in his assurance. Boaz is a man of, of his word. Can I ask, how many in here have broken their word in the past month? Boaz is, is a man who does not break his word. He's a man who holds to it. He sees Ruth, an outcast, a stranger, one who doesn't deserve anything. And he's giving her assurance of protection so she can glean in the fields. As followers of Jesus, we are given assurance that even though troubles may come, and church, they're going to come. You may be struggling with something this morning, and God providentially brought you here to hear this message on peace. Troubles are going to come. Even though suffering may rear its ugly head, God will use all things for our good and His glory as followers of Jesus. Check out what John Owen says about assurance. John Owen's the one who wrote Amazing Grace. I'm right in saying that, I think. Assurance grows by repeated conflict, by repeated experimental proof of the Lord's power and goodness to save. When we have been brought very low and helped, sorely wounded and healed, cast down and raised again, have given up all hope and been suddenly snatched from danger and placed in safety... And when these things have been repeated to us and in us a thousand times over, we begin to learn to trust simply to the word and power of God beyond and against appearances. And this trust, when habitual and strong, bears the name of assurance, for even assurance has degrees. Even in the midst of our struggles, even in the midst of our dangers, even in the midst of our troubles, we find assurance in Jesus. Ruth is beginning to see this assurance from Boaz. 
She's been brought low, but someone expressing grace and kindness steps in and helps. He offers protection. He offers water and resources like a loving father to a child, even though she's a Moabite. She's not part of the Israelite clan. She, she's, in a, she, she's out of it. You like that? He shows grace to her. Like a loving father to a child, like our father to us, expresses assurance that even though we are sinners in need of grace, even though we, are, we have been brought to the lowest of lows, and even though we deserve the very depths of hell, God loves us so much that even in the midst of your troubles, He provides assurance that He's working within your life. That even in the midst of your troubles, He's providing assurance that, 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 that He will take it all away once you come into glory. That this world does not compare to the glory that will behold us one day. That's the assurance that God gives us. He doesn't tell us that we are not going to have troubles. Christians have troubles. We struggle. This is not a life of health, wealth, and prosperity. That, read your Bible. It's not in there. But what God does assure us is a life of trust in Him. A life of faithfulness that He'll be with you, never leave you or forsake you. We are outcasts, but Christ gives us assurance in times of trouble. Advent is a time that reminds us of the assurance that God gives us by giving us His only Son that we may live. Boaz tells us in verse 12, he's telling uh, um, Ruth, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. The word repay actually means peace. Shalom. What he's saying is, is may the Lord give you peace. And may the Lord give you a full reward. Boaz is asking God to do that for Ruth. Do you need peace this morning? Have you felt the busyness of Christmas yet? Have you felt the craziness of all the parties and the events and the family gatherings and the need to buy this gift for this occasion and the need to take care of this? Have you felt that yet? More importantly, have you felt the trouble around Christmas? Maybe you or someone you know or, or love feels alone this Christmas. Maybe you or someone you know or love doesn't have the funds to give their kids the kind of Christmas other kids have. Red Cross was graciously able to participate with KCON this past Saturday, and I know I believe Frida went. Who went this past Saturday to the Christmas thing with KCON? Uh, you guys were able to pass out gifts that, that our church donated. And I think, uh, I think uh, other churches may have participated. KCON brought some stuff. And you gave them to grandparents who were able to give them to their grandkids. You showed kindness and love. But maybe you know somebody who doesn't have the funds to be able to do something like that. Maybe you or someone you know or love is dealing with sickness this, this season and is wondering, is this my last Christmas? See, Christ came to bring peace between God and man. And He has assured us of this. He has assured us that no matter what troubles may come, He's with us. And we are under His wings. Ain't that amazing? He's our refuge and strength. Do you believe that today? 
Now, not only does God provide kindness in his providence and in, in his assurance, but he also provides kindness in his abundance. In his abundance. Look at verses 13 through 16. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. She is basically putting her to the lowest of lows. I am nothing. I am not even one of your servants. I don't deserve any of this. Verse 14, and at mealtime, this is lunchtime, Boaz said, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. It's a sauce. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Boaz invites Ruth to have lunch with her and his servants. She eats so much that she is full and she's given so much that she has leftovers. Boaz is showing the same kind of kindness to Ruth that we should be showing to other people because of the kindness that Christ has shown us. We are in John 6 in our John study, which we'll be starting back in January. And what did we see in John 6? That Jesus is the bread of life. That Jesus is sufficient. That he is enough. And we see here, Boaz is passing the roasted grain to Ruth. We see, we, we see Jesus in this picture. Jesus giving his life, himself as the bread, for us. And it's overly abundant. It is enough because we are outsiders. We are, at, we are outcasts and we do not deserve this. But God gives it to us anyway. Jesus Christ invites us to eat at his table. He invites us to be fed by him. He invites us to take part in fellowship with him in Advent. Advent reminds us of the peace that we can have through the kindness of a Redeemer in the midst of our troubles. Advent reminds us of Jesus as our Savior. And here we see that, that, that it reminds us of His overly abundant grace and love and joy that we can have in Him. Is He enough for you this Christmas? Because church, here's the thing, He's the greatest gift ever given and he came not in a gold-wrapped box, but in a feeding trough. He came for all people, no matter their social status. He came for the poor, and we see that because he invited the shepherds to come and take part. He invited the rich to come and be a part of it because we see him inviting the wise men, the kings, to come and take part. No matter the social status, Christ is here for all people. No matter your race, no matter your situation, Christ is here for all people who will come to him and put their faith and trust in him. He is enough. And he has come to give us life abundantly. Here we see Ruth is satisfied. Boaz is protecting her. He's providing for her. And she doesn't deserve it. And we don't either, church. We don't deserve Jesus. And Boaz continues to provide for her by telling his servants not to rebuke her. To gently, as you are harvesting, toss a couple Toss a couple things to her. Make it look like we missed it, but let her have it. Give her more than what she needs. 
the compassion that Boaz has for Ruth. Do you see it? The grace that he has for Ruth. Do you see it? The kindness that he has for Ruth. We see all of that in Jesus. Not only does God express his kindness in his providence, in his assurance, and in his abundance, but lastly, in his faithfulness. We see here in verses 17 and 18, So she gleaned in the field until evening, then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley, about 50 pounds of barley she had to carry home. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. Can you imagine seeing Naomi's eyes glow so big and bright when Ruth walks in with 50 pounds of food? Can you imagine this bitter woman who thinks God is judging her, who thinks God's out to get her, who thinks God has abandoned her? Look at the amount of food that was returned. She asked Ruth, she says, where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Now, we know who she gleaned with. We know who Boaz is. Naomi knows who Boaz is, but doesn't know that it was Boaz who Ruth gleaned with. And Ruth knows that she gleaned with Boaz, but doesn't really know who Boaz is. Are you tracking with me? This is a great story. Ruth tells her, his name's Boaz, and he was gracious to me. I could just see Naomi's eyes get even wider. She prayed for Ruth in chapter 1 to find rest in a husband. And here she sees God could be answering her prayer. She sees that sliver of hope that God is working within their lives, that he is faithful still, that he has not left her, that he's still by her side working within her life. Church, God never leaves you. God never forsakes you. Even when you feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel, even when you feel like all hope is lost, even when you feel like there's no sliver of hope, God is there by your side and he's working within your life. Just like Joseph in, the, in uh, uh, Genesis and just like Jesus, we can see what Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. We may go through hard times, but we see here that through God's faithfulness, he meant it for good. Naomi says in verse 20, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. There is hope. There is hope. All of this happens in Bethlehem. And it points to the coming of our Redeemer who rescues us, who redeems us from our sin, who draws us to himself, who assures us of his refuge and strength, who provides abundantly for us. This is our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who came to die for our sins, who suffered for our sake to be a ransom, our propitiation, our substitute, our payment, so that we may have peace with God. For even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, Jesus died for us. Do you know him today? Do you believe him today? Because he is a faithful redeemer. He's a greater redeemer than Boaz. He never leaves or forsakes us. And church, he's calling us home. 
Do you know him today? Today may be the day that you need peace. Maybe you're dealing with troubles. Maybe you're struggling with sin. Maybe you need Jesus just like I do. Because me, just like Ruth, I need that grace. I need that love. I need that kindness from Jesus on a daily basis. Today's the day to turn to him. The altar's open. I'm here. It's free. To come back to Jesus, it's free. To give our lives to him, it's free. Because he paid it all. It cost him everything. Will you surrender to him today? Will you find that peace in him today? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your love and your kindness that you give us each and every single day. We don't deserve it. Like Ruth, we are outcasts. We are sinners in need of grace. And God, you graciously give it to us. We are thankful for the peace that we can have with you through the work of your son on the cross. Thank you for sending him. Thank you, God. We love you. We praise you. We pray, God, that if there's anyone in this room who needs you this morning, that you would grab their hearts, that you would do a work within them. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Hymn number 320.